morning again. Good morning. My, it's gonna special and warm welcome to my wife, who's joining me for first time in a long time. I didn't have to beg for her to come. It's not uh, can you remember what we were doing last week? Well, the clue should be up there. We were looking at two um, Old Testament prayers. We looked at the prayer of Jabez and also the prayer of Agar. And there were differences and there were similarities. You know, in Jabez, um, basically Jabez is asking for the expansion of his boundaries, increased wealth and prosperity. Um, Agar asked for the same thing, but with a slightly different attitude. Now, that doesn't mean Jabez didn't have that attitude, just isn't written. But Agar makes it quite plain. He says, you know, Lord, I do want you to bless me, but don't give me more than I can handle, or so little that I'm really suffering and I don't call upon your name. So he's just asking the Lord to give him wisdom, to recognize what he really needs, and to be content with what he needs, so that he can worship the Lord and praise the Lord. So the um, praise of the Lord is always in his mind and on his lips. Um, and then I said, well, I'll shift to the New Testament this week and look at what is probably the, not probably, what is the perfect prayer model. And, well, first of all, let me say this. Um, this devotion is something that I got from the internet. They really don't believe in reinventing the wheel. So I don't take responsibility for it, except that I've gone through it and I agree with it. But I just thought it would be good to share it. Um, and that being said, my, um, my Vice President of Technology has just left me, so let me make sure I can... Oh, great. Um, you know, quite often, I know when I was growing up, before I went to bed, I had to pray the Lord's Prayer. And there's something about praying the same thing over and over and over again. You know, they say familiarity breeds contempt. It gets to the point where you're just saying the words, and you really aren't thinking about it. You know, growing up, you say grace, you know, um, we have a real short one. Um, basically, thank you, dear Lord, for this food. Amen. But you say it because you're used to saying it. And I got to the point where I... I had to say to myself, you know, why am I saying this? And I realized, and I, I went through it, and as simple and as short as it is, what we're basically doing is thanking God for what we have in front of us, not taking for granted the food that my parents gave me. It's only because, because like my parents used to say, when they gave, I didn't like boiled fish growing up. And I'd be sticking my nose up at this boiled fish, and my mother would say, now you know, you got children in Africa, who can't have a meal in front of them and they don't see food for years. And in the back of my mind, I'd be saying, well, why don't you give it to them? But I would, you know, actually, I think I may have said something similar to, to that to my mother. And I can tell you, I never said it again. Because I got the beaten out of, I mean, out of this world. But we need to realize that there's nothing that we have that is our doing. It's God's mercy and it's His love. 
And I'd like us to reacquaint ourselves with the Lord's Prayer and just go right through it. Um, and I gotta say this I went to a funeral yesterday and they had a modern version, they were saying a modern version of the Lord's Prayer. To be quite honest, I couldn't keep up with them because they changed the words around and, and everyone else, well, the scene sounds like everyone else knows this new version. And just trying to, and just saying the King James version still, because that's what I'm familiar with, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and that's just an aside; it doesn't make a difference. It has all to do with the attitude, the attitude, and why you're doing it. And be sincere when you pray it, because believe it or not, if you look at um, Matthew six, where the prayer is. And you look at the context, there's a lot before and a lot after the prayer. But actually, because the Lord says, you know, basically, because of this, as a result, this is how you want to pray. And he's talking about doing things just to show. You know, people giving to the poor just so people would praise them. Praying out loud so that people would say, man, this is, boy, this is a real spiritual person. All those sorts of things. And he's saying, no, go quietly, go in a quiet place and pray. And this is how you should pray. Okay? And notice when you look at the prayers of Jabez and the prayers of, and the prayer of Agar, there's steps missing. But Jesus gave us some real serious steps. And if we follow them, and actually apply them in our lives, you'd be amazed how transformational it could be. Let's just take it step by step. And okay, um, actually, got your Bibles, it's um, Matthew 6. Yes. Um, I think it's 9 to 13. Okay, let's just start. Our Father in Heaven. We need to always acknowledge first and foremost who we're talking to. But even more than just who we're talking to, the extent of who God is. Not that we're talking to God, but who is God? What What has He done? What is He capable of? What can He do? Is there an end? Can we really envisage who this person God is? Can we truly understand all of who He is? Just the awesomeness of the person that we're praying to and what He has done. He's God, our Heavenly Father, our Father in Heaven. And think of your earthly fathers. Now, sometimes that may not be a, a pleasant memory, but think of who your earthly father ought to be, what he ought to do. Um, okay, there are three men, four men here. Okay, and the type of father we would like to be, you know, from a godly perspective. We address him with respect, just as we should address our earthly father with respect. You know, and you know, when I was growing up, my parents always. When I, when I said prayers at night, I had to kneel by the bed. It wasn't a matter of, you know, you sit down or you lay down or whatever. You knelt at the bed and you said prayers. It isn't as if, you know, in my convenience and I will just talk with God. You took time out and you were purposeful and you knelt. That's submission. Lord, you are way above me. I am down here. I am praying to you. You know, God isn't you know, my best buddy next to me and me high five all the time. This is a supreme being who created me, who created all around me, who's given me the life that I breathe. He deserves reverence. 
and never get to, you know, even with my children, I'm a good friend to my children. But before that, I'm their parent. You know? And there are times when I would prefer them to like me, but that's not so important as that they respect me and they know the position in our household, where I am, who I am. And I hope they pass that on to their children also. And we never, I remember I used to, I used to play sports a lot. And there's this buddy of mine, um, and everyone around after the game, his father has a, had an abbreviated name, was Brat. So we said, hey Brat, what's happening? He said, we're calling Brat. So his son, I guess, caught up in the moment, said, Brat this. His father looked around and said, who are you talking to, boy? And so I said, oh, daddy, 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 sorry. He realized he'd overstepped his bounds to a certain extent, and he was back in the mode of father, son. He knew who he was, where he stood. Never got to the point where we think we're approaching God less than God, someone far greater than us. Let's, when we pray, let's pray with reverence, with purpose. And if we do that, I think we would get away from the the prayer that is just, oh, you know, I pray, you know, thank you, Lord, for this food, amen, let's eat, type thing. We're praying to God. We're seeking our Heavenly Father, our Creator. This is a person who is far greater than we can really imagine. We should be in awe when we come before Him. He's the only true God who created all things in this universe, including ourselves. He loves us, and we need to show our love for Him. And I'd like to say, our love and respect. Our love and our respect. So, quite often, after I started, you know, really trying to be deliberate and focused in prayer, whenever I start prayer with our Father in Heaven, Quite often, wherever I am, I'm really aware of how great God is. Just the creation around Him to be able to appreciate it. And having traveled and listening to people that come down here, again, I have to say to this, we are blessed being in the Bahamas. Now, the greenery and the colors that we have, the sunshine, I find that when I go to northern climates, I'm, I wouldn't say, approaching depression, but I'm definitely not as lively as when I'm here. All that grayness and that darkness. I just can't wait to get... I mean, as much as I enjoy myself, I'm thankful when I come back home. I really am. And it's not an accident. God is doing something great in mankind. You know, and so he's, he's an awesome God. And when we say awesome, don't diminish awesome to good or great or excellent. It's really... Awesome is the superlative. You can't get beyond that. That's why, as much as I love Denise, I try not to say she's an awesome wife. Because I was trying to... Uh, this should be some adjective that I reserve for God. Yes, I do talk about you a lot. <laughs> Hallowed be your name. That's a continuation. We seem as being holy. Sanctified, consecrated, worthy of praise, honor, and glory. And he's the only one that's worthy of this. I don't care who your favorite movie star is, who you think is the most intelligent person in the world. They only got that from God. And he has far more. 
So he's the only one that's worthy of praise and of honor and of glory. And if those people aren't praising him, honoring and glorifying him in their lives, then there's something missing. And we need to be preparing ourselves to praise him, to honor him and glorify him. And it's really important in the next bits of the prayer. As, and I'll show you as we go along why it's especially the honor and glorify portion. You know, hallowed be your name. He is holy. And any holiness that we have must come from him as we honor him and we seek to glorify him. And our lives should be a life of praise to God. Everything that we do. And as we pray, let's think about that. You know, our Father is in heaven. He is with us. And he is holy. And we are worshiping a holy God. Now, we started with this view, acknowledging who God is, who we are praying to, his abilities, his history. And we are in the presence of, we are in a mighty presence. Now we are asking him, we are actually petitioning God. And there are petitions that are all through this prayer now. And these are petitions, these are things that we want. Now ask ourselves as we pray, do we really want this to happen? Do we want God's kingdom to come? Or are we so happy in our little bit of security or, and inverted commas success that we don't want God's kingdom to come? And what are we doing to usher in God's kingdom? And I always talk about be the change that you want to see. What are we doing so that when people are around us, they feel the presence of God. You know, if you're praying your kingdom come, you know, one of the greatest philosophers um, in modern history, if you don't realize it, is a Bahamian. Did you all know that? You all didn't know that? Ronnie Butler. You didn't know that? You never heard of Ronnie Butler? Yeah. The great Bahamian philosopher? <laughs> Everybody won't go to heaven, but nobody won't die. <laughs> My goodness, that is so profound. Uh, I don't say that you start singing that song in church, right? <laughs> but think about it. Everybody's saying, you know, if Christ could come and if the world was transformed, well, we have to die to self for that to happen. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing for everybody else to die to self, but not us? Because if they die to self, we get all that they have, right? But that's not the whole idea. We want to usher in God's kingdom. We pray, pray that Christ will soon return. Well, when Christ returns, those of us who have accepted Christ as Savior, we aren't going to be down here anymore. We won't have to visit the bank manager, right? We won't have to clock in. We will be living holy lives as we are caught up with Him. Are we ready for that? Do we want to stop what we're doing? Some of us will say, oh my goodness, my life is so terrible, I can't wait for the Lord to come and I've been there. Others of us will say, well, if He could come maybe next month or a few years down the road, because I can't enjoy life right now. But if you're going to pray the Lord's Prayer, and this is what Christ is directing us to do. He is saying we should be prepared and ready and actually be happy if Christ was to come right now. Right now. Is that a question that you can answer in the affirmative? 
Yes. I would love Christ to come right now. Because whatever I have right now, either it's so bad, nothing could be worse. But dear Lord, I know that whatever you have for me is absolutely amazing. Or can you also say, Lord, whatever I have right now is really good. But I know whatever you're going to bring is even better. So I'm ready right now. Eu não lembro de quem não come na se tem a when you go to heaven and so forth, you have the new earth and so forth like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the will heaven just be one place everybody is, so it'll be like a very we have families and and, and the heaven is a well, place. There is no record of family relationships. Because really, we'll be one big family. We'll be Man, one big family. There's no record of you having a wife and children um, in heaven. But there will be no need for a wife and children in heaven. The most simplistic way of looking at this is what something I tell my wanted children. You know, God created us. He knows what's best for us. He knows what will make us <coughs> supremely happy. So we don't have to be worried about the details of heaven. The only detail we need to be worried about in heaven is that we're there and we're with God, our Creator. Because He's going to prepare for us something that we can't even imagine. And we don't need to be concerned and bent out of shape whether Wifey's going to be there or Pastor Annette's going to be there. We just hope that they will be there and we're part of one big family with God as the head and we will be supremely happy a level of happiness and joy that we can't even imagine and yeah, I experience uh, joy in computation and so forth and what is the stuff is here you know and I just, I just, I just asked the question because you know Garthi uh, just have a better picture of what like well, to expect. I can't give you a clear picture of what heaven would be like. I can't give you a clear <laughs> picture as I have not been there. I can only tell you the glimpses that we have in God's Word. You know, like glimpses in Revelation in some of Paul's letters. They're glimpses. But there's never there isn't a pure picture. I don't have the video footage. I don't I don't have the marketing, you know, the that heading marketing stuff I could put on my TV and say, come on, let's have the uh, luck. I can't give you that. But I can only say is we get glimpses, but nothing more. It's like it's like the present under the tree. You know, if in the good graces of your supremely rich uncle, you know, whatever's in that box, you're really going to enjoy. You don't know what it is, but you know it's good. Because all the presents your uncle's given you before, they've been great presents. And they just keep getting better and better. And he's told you that is absolutely fantastic. And he's never lied to you before. So you know when you open that thing, it's going to be absolutely amazing. It's going to knock your socks off. All he does is he's keep on giving you little glimpses of... He's teasing you to a certain extent to make you want that present more and more and more. But when you open it, you can't even imagine that you went to that extreme. But the thing is, you don't want to lose sleep over it overnight after night after night.
trying to figure out, my goodness, exactly what did Uncle get for me? Let's be satisfied with what he's told you. And when it's time to open it, just open it and enjoy it. Yeah. I'm just going to say that, especially that when the husband and wife in heaven. I don't know that scripture real good, but somebody was asking Jesus, I think it was, um, if, a man, if a woman was married to seven different husbands, which one is going to be her husband next to him? And they told her that in heaven it's not going to be no husband or wife. There will be no marriage of There will be no need. There will be there will be no need. A lot of the things that you think you need, you'll realize they're just trappings. You don't need them. All you need is whatever God provides. And you'll be ecstatically happy if that's is that something I could say? Ecstatically happy. And sorry, not last really one of the things that happens when you know or, or desire to receive this gift because you know it's good, you can't wait for the exact time, or when you feel that you can't wait for the exact time to open that gift. Right? And that's the same way we should feel about God's kingdom coming to us. Because we want to be with Him. And we should be eager. As a matter of fact, we blessed are those who really look forward to the coming of our Lord. So, and I, I see that in the same mm-hmm. light. You know, it's 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 Christmas Eve, and our children want to open the back window, not until tomorrow morning. Well, you don't have to wake them up on Christmas morning. <laughs> <laughs> they don't go to sleep. <laughs> you know, they they're, they're watching. Yeah, they're, they're watching. They're and that should be us. Yeah, that's us. I mean, that's that's we should always be watching and. And if if Daddy says okay, you can open it early. You're happy. Yeah. About that. Yeah. But all this hustling and you be like, did you have a day like urge you know, hustling to achieve great reward? No, reward. you don't have to work with that. No, that's no concern. You gotta do that here, mm-hmm. not in heaven. That's taken care of. I mean, that that's a that's a curse that that Adam had. That's part of the Adamic curse. But. Um, when we pray, your kingdom come, think about it. Do we want God's kingdom to come? Are we willing to give up those things that we think are so near and dear to us? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this also has to do with preparation. I remember Candy giving Shadwell some advice a few classes back when we were talking about females. And one thing you said was having identified the type of female that you want to associate with, make sure you're the kind of man that she would want to associate with. Prepare yourself. We need to prepare ourselves so that we are in the condition where we do want Christ's kingdom to come. Whether it's now, if it has to be delayed. Well, we trust the Lord about that. But if he says, you know, I'm coming now, and you see the Lord coming, you just say, praise the Lord. You know, 
be deliberate in that prayer. Think about it only while you're praying, but as you're in a continual attitude of prayer. Do you really want the Lord to come? Are you dying to self? Okay? When people get saved, some of them do nothing to, to grow in the Lord. Pardon me? When people get saved? Some of them do nothing to grow in the Lord. Okay. Does that mean that they're saved to go to heaven to go ahead and stubble? Possibly. But the important thing is, once you're saved, there's no um, debate whether you're going to heaven or not. Now, your rewards in heaven, they will vary. And the thing is, um, people who are saved and they do not do much to grow can be for many reasons. It may be only for a time. Because you've got to realize God has a big picture, right? People are saved, and they may not be growing much, and God may be giving us an opportunity to minister to them, to help them grow. Because you've got to realize, discipleship is a part of Christian responsibility. So if you see a person not growing, and they're members of our Christian family, and we do nothing, well, we got a problem too. So God may be giving us opportunity. So if we don't take advantage of that opportunity, someone else may. So you don't say, oh, you aren't growing, you aren't doing anything, oh, I'm going to let you suffer. We do our responsibility to help our Christian brother and sister. right? Now, God may be working something in their lives also, because God calls us. We don't you know, call God. And... If they are truly saved, they will grow. They will grow. Uh, the rate of growing is not for us to, what should I say, to judge them by, but it's for us to carry out our responsibility in our relationship with them. Right? There are certain things that we just have to leave to God, and there are certain things that we have to do in obedience to God. Discipleship is one of them. And you know, the same way that we can witness to people and witness to people and witness to people and nothing happens, well, that doesn't mean we don't witness. We witness and we leave the rest to God. You know? He is the ultimate harvester. You know? We have to do our job. We have to do our job. <coughs> If I was talking to someone, I'd like to drill it in their head and to like, like explain it so much until, I, until they get it. Well, you know, Christ set an example, you know. When he was talking with his disciples, he said, you know, if you go into a town, you present the gospel, and they abuse you or they don't receive it, what do you tell them to do? Straight to the dust off their feet. And move on. Yeah. There comes a time when you move on. Now, it may be presenting it once, depends on the relationship. Now, God will give you guidance. Now, our responsibility is to live as Christ expects us to live. Present the gospel 
and present the gospel with an attitude where we want them to respond to the gospel properly. We don't want to be like Joe, oh, I got to tell them, but I hope they don't take it. Uh, you mean Jonah? Mm-hmm. Jo- sorry, Jonah. Mm-hmm. Right? It's all about, the Christian life is all about attitude. It's all about attitude. You know, at the start of the prayer, praising God, honoring God, we aren't honoring God with a bad attitude. If, you know, we say, I have to witness to you, but my goodness, I really don't want you to take this in at all because I really am interested in you being saved, but I just got to do it. Well, that's a terrible attitude. That's not a God-honoring attitude. Now, if you want to witness to somebody, you may want to pray before you actually witness, if you think this is going to be, this is going to be hard, so that you have the right words. You witness, then you present it. You know, sometimes it's buying something into person all the time. It's so counterproductive. It just doesn't make sense. It's like you just you want God's guidance in your presentation. You know, I've been at one level where it's like I was denying my life to get somebody like on the right track. Uh, we had a conversation about this a few times back, about giving up one's life itself. Remember uh, the class, like, right? like, like, like you, you know, you like preaching and teaching and things like that, and there's really something important you could be doing now or something like that, you know? Well, that's a matter of priority. Yeah. What is the most God-honoring activity at that point in time? And if you feel that, you know, my witnessing to a person or my helping a person is so onerous, you know, that they need to know that, you know, I could have been doing so much, so many better things, but I really given up my time to spend time with you. Oh my goodness. If I was that other person, I'd say, go on about your business. Your heart needs to be in it. You can't be, you know, my goodness, you know, I, my time is so important, but, you know, I'm going to sacrifice it for you. And you need to know that I sacrifice it for you. You know, sometimes you're telling them that, you know, sometimes you just, you just feel like, like within myself. Sometimes I think, like I think now, sometimes by doing what you're supposed to do, you set an example. Yes. Instead of trying to preach and waste words, and I didn't even there, an example. Yep, there's a place for all of that. There's a place. There's a place for teaching, for preaching, an example. And a lot of people say, you know, I'm going to live a godly life, so I'm not going to tell anybody about God. They'll see God in me. Well, that's just taking the easy way out. And are you so perfect that when people look at you, they're going to see God? It'd be much better if you live a very godly life, and when people ask how are you able to do that, you can tell them about God. That's right. You know, you can't isolate them. Sorry. No, go right there. Come on, Rosie. No, I was met in a situation this very weekend. My daughter was friendly with a girl. Last year, very like her best friend, but dresses like a boy. Mm-hmm. And she brought him to church. She brought her, brought lots of people mm-hmm. to church. Then they broke up relationships, and everybody was like sort of standing next to the girl down the stairs of the people. And now, just sorry for your your daughter. daughter was, uh, that was her best their friend. friendship their dissolved. Friendship. You're saying 
they call her Seth each other like about 20, okay. months ago. Right. When she came to our home because of a mutual friend of theirs, she graduated <laughs> my office school, brought, wanted her to come to bring to me. He wanted to see her, but he's back for two weeks okay. before going to some school. And her first thing was, Ms. Moutardier, I really would like to go to church, to your church. And while they had separated, I said, you know, mommy, mommy, I just, I said, maybe for the best that they are friends, because I was wondering about that side or whatever. This is the young lady that dresses yeah, like a girl? Okay. Right. She came with the gentleman and, oh, I see. and okay. now they've reinstated them. They're working on their relationship. And her first thing was, Working with Heather back when they decided to work on their friendship again. And she wants it. So I, my thing was at first was I felt sort of, and not in a bad way, she's like, is this the company for my tour? You're based on where her beliefs are. But the thing is, I realized that going to church could bring some hope for her because she, because of the questioning she had with people, you know, in their initial relationship about her beliefs and all of that. And I was just so pleased that she felt so comfortable with us that she wants to make a commitment to come along to church mm. with Heather. And so I was just thankful we didn't push her away because of the type of, you know, her, her parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that alone gave people a lot of questions. But actually, Nicholas, I met him one time when he said, or he met Heather, he said, and bring your friend, because she came to youth group. Oh, this is past Nicholas Rogers. Yeah. Right, okay. But it's just because of her her way, her mm-hmm. beliefs. Right. And, the, you know, and the way she, but she's a beautiful person. Mm-hmm. But that was just that, you know, and while they had separated their friendship, I was reasoned side of said, oh, well, I don't have to do with that anymore. You know? But I was so happy to see her that right. evening. And the time, you know, and the fact that she said, you know, I never felt so welcome close with uh, this Mutari as in your church. I said, that's the only church. You know, and... <clears throat> My heart just went over, without thinking, I said, well, you know, Sunday mornings may be sort of difficult, but you could come to, you let your mother drop you, you come home with us, or um, we definitely could take you to YouTube, and, you know, so, it's just... Well, I praise the Lord, I, I praise the Lord for that story, because <laughs> that, that really, what shall I say, encourages me, uh-huh. that our family here uh-huh. was welcoming young, to someone who is... Who is Totally. Who may be different. Right. right. And that was my point. Because she dresses, but now she told mommy in the kitchen, I think mommy came out to me and told me, she says she dresses, she now wears skirts. Mm-hmm. See, the thing about the matter is, I don't want to go too much, but she dresses like a boy. Okay. And that was the first thing when ever. And you never know why that happened. Right. Kind of said, when she walked into church with this person, <laughs> and everybody just stared, you know, and she felt so conscious. But, you know, I don't know if she'll come to the store or not, but she wants to come, and that's the beginning. Mm-hmm. Well, she's, she's searching. She's searching. And she's trying. Yeah, you never know the reasons why. It may just be a rebellious stage. And you just can't be caught up in externalities. Right. No. You need to take time to know people and to work with them wherever they are. And that's that's all of us. Right. Because a few times I would mention to the Marina and I would let them walk to the hotel and meet them and start up. She came to me one evening. 
when he had to stop his other, she said, Mr. Khan, do you think I'm filled with steam and say, oh my, you think I'm, no, I said, no, 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 Tanisha. I said, you're just going there and be tall. Yeah. And she's such a intelligent, you know, she's... Yeah, but from what you're saying, obviously someone else may have told us he's filled with demons. May have come from a, a Christian background type thing. But really we need to present God's love to everyone that we see. see I mean, the fact that, a, let's say this person, was actually homosexual doesn't mean that they can't come to church right right it doesn't mean that we don't talk with them right. we may not agree with their activities right. but we still have to love the person and that's the only way we can convert them you yes. know the Lord would not have turned her away exactly how would she be converted unless you welcomed her and shows her and, you know, and, and until you nurtured her and had right. that relationship then now you are able to send her in the right direction right. and if she has a problem she will come to you right because yeah. she knows that you won't be judgmental and you have has shown her love in the past and so that's mm -hmm. very important and she 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 even accepts she my mother ended up that evening with all three of us talking about all the issues it is just so great mm -hmm. that's great um oh. we have a few minutes left um but your kingdom come, I just hope you understand, we need to be prepared for Christ's second coming. And we need to be looking forward to it, just like that gift from the rich uncle. No matter what our circumstances, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, transform me. And it won't be a one-stop thing. Would be a continual thing because the devil will be hitting us all the time. Yeah, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to be praying for his will to be done in our lives so that we might bring glory to him here on earth as he is also glorified in heaven. This thought this speaks to obedience, being willing to be obedient no matter what the cost, even if you have to block the trend. Yes, she has also. It's about God, right? Pardon? It's about God, right? If it's about God, okay. it's all about when God. When you say, when you say, you mean Christ obedience? Was, obedience? No, no, I mean, uh, when it says kingdom come, you say Christ came, uh, kingdom, but Christ was the one who gave this prayer. Yes. So, it was about God. Yes. To, to, the God's, to, God. The, the yeah. God kingdom will come. We go back to that. I'm not sure exactly. I, I mean, you're saying Christ's kingdom come, but I say Christ is the one who was talking about this prayer, so he's telling him that he needs to pray that his kingdom come. Yeah, now Christ is coming again, you know. So I guess asking if, 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 if it was Christ was saying, pray for his kingdom to come, or this is God we're talking about. Remember, okay, it is God we're talking about, but remember the very first verse line in this thing Our Father who art in heaven? Yes. Right. So let's skip everything else. Thy kingdom come. Right. So we're addressing it to our Father in heaven. Mm -hmm. We want his kingdom to come. Okay, but it was a part of me what you seem to be saying, like, I'll uh, pray for Christ's kingdom to come. You pray that Christ will soon return. And establish his earthly kingdom. That's the same right? thing as his kingdom come. Uh, yes, because come. the Father has given the Son authority. Okay. So, and, 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 and God's kingdom will not be established until Christ returns. Let me pray your kingdom comes to be a tossing of Christ's kingdom. Christ's kingdom, which can't be separate from God's kingdom. Christ is part of God. I mean, 
It's three persons, yeah, one, one God. Yeah, so it's, it's God's kingdom. Right. It's God's kingdom. If, if Christ has established it, God has established it. Because he is given all authority. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, right, okay. We need to do things his way instead of selfishly doing our own things to satisfy our own desires. This is dying to self. I am willing to die to self. And if you think about this, and as you pray continually as we're doing things, we need to die to self. We need to be willing to die to self. And you're asking God to assist us in this regard. You're saying something with me? I'm sorry. Okay. I just go through very quickly through this. Because the one thing, I want us to be deliberate as we pray. So we don't just pray the Lord's Prayer, but we add some meat to the Lord's Prayer as we pray it. Give us today our daily bread, daily provision. And it doesn't just mean the food that we eat. Anything that God gives us, we're asking Really, this is where the prayer of anger comes in. You know, give us that portion that you want me to have, Lord, and let me be content. Right? But give me what I need to be content. You know, please, Lord, I'm asking you to give it to me. Now, remember, prior to this, he says, your Heavenly Father knows your needs, but when you pray, this is how you pray. Right? Lord, God knows what we want. He loves to hear our prayers, so, and it's our attitude. You know, not Lord, give me everything on earth, but give me what you want me to have, and let me be content with it. This is a big one. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. It's very interesting that this is one of the things that Christ talks about, because one of the things that actually ruins families, societies, is lack of forgiveness. You know? Uh, what's the saying? Um, lack of forgiveness is like swallowing poison and expecting the other person to die. You know, this eats out, I mean, at the very fabric of our society. And personally, people have heart attacks, ulcers, just about lack of forgiveness. People commit suicide because they feel they haven't been forgiven. This is a major thing, and that's why God has included this in, in this prayer. We need to learn how to forgive. And forget. And it ain't that hard. We need to learn how to do that. And we ask Him, God, to allow us to do this. Now, don't be holding these grudges. Don't be like the, those people in the States, that family. They're holding this grudge and they can't even remember what the grudge is. The Hatfields and the McCoys. That's right. You know? It's senseless. You use up too much time that you're serving the Lord, trying to get even. Or... You know, like the little boy, was it? Um, Tom Sawyer, I think, said he was forced to say, I'm sorry. Um, but what did he say? I, sorry, to apologize. I apologize. And then his breath said, But I'm not sorry. You know, you've got to be able to forgive and pray for the strength to forgive. Because this is an area that the devil is going to work on. All of these things we aren't going to be able to do in our own strength. That's why. In Christ's um, prayer, he says, pray these things. He also wants us to focus on these issues when we pray. And look at our lives and see where we're, where we're coming up short. Lead us not into temptation. Well, I mean, we face temptation every single 
moment in debate. But someone will attempt it to think of something other than what I'm saying. Right? So, but we attempt it. <coughs> Christ knew this. And he's saying, pray about it. Bring it before the Lord. Realize that you are going to be a victim of temptation. And don't think you're immune. But pray to the Lord, and he will answer your prayer. Well, can I ask a question? Um, I'll be a real quick question, and I think we'll finish in two minutes. If someone was an alcoholic... Someone was? This is past tense? Uh, yeah. Um, okay. She wasn't drinking anymore. But she used to do it secretly. <coughs> okay. Before her family. It's like she wasn't drinking anymore. Okay. So she's drinking secrets. Right. And she professed to be a Christian. Mm hmm So is she really say if she got, dies in that state? If she dies in that state? secretly? Drinking secretly. And saying that she was a Christian? Yeah, but what's your question? My question is, is she, is she really saved? Oh, that's a, that, so that answer is really between her and God. Right? Because remember this, and you may say that alcoholism is the sacred cap, but after we are saved, we all commit a sin. We, all, we aren't living perfect lives. Right? We aren't living perfect lives. Um, God is doing a work in all of us. Now, you know, I could be the best person in the world and say I'm a Christian and I'm not. That really is a different, that's a, a separate study. But whether I'm saved or not, ultimately, is a relational issue between myself and God. What I say with my mouth can be absolutely anything. And I think you've seen it in people's lives. You know? um, the person who commits a sin and goes before God asking forgiveness is probably the more, not probably, is showing um, a Christian and God honoring attitude. Um, and, you know, because, you know, a person who's an addict, for example, and is saved today, doesn't necessarily mean he's still being an addict at that moment. Okay? So, that's not a matter of judgment that I can make, or you should even try to make. But if you see, if this person says they are a Christian, and you suspect they are engaging in this um, sinful activity, our only responsibility is to try to assist them out of it. Right? It doesn't mean that you have to do all sorts of extremes. Really. If you're Christians, we're in God's hands. Well, the family couldn't Well, then that's between her and God. That's between her and God. That is totally between her and God. Yeah. That may not bring a lot of comfort, but it's the truth. Yeah. I, I don't have that you know, that telephone number that I can call and say, well, God, is this one on the road? I, I don't. You have, you have one of those boxes, right? No, sir. No? <laughs> Just checking. Uh, deliver us from the evil one. All that goes before is to let us know that Satan is going to be busy in all hours. And we need to ask God for protection from the enemy.
and then it's the ending. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. And I just added this bit because some people actually in the ESV, they don't have this. Because some people say it was added later. But as the commentator says, it doesn't make a difference. It's a doxology. We're praising God. You know? And this really came true to me yesterday at, my, at the funeral. At the end, this fellow was really involved in music. So they had um, the High Grove Singers, the Renaissance Singers there, and the Holy Trinity Choir. And at the end, they had a mass choir. And they sang the Hallelujah Chorus. And I thought, that is an amazing way to end a funeral. Because this man was so active in the church. Now, the stories that they told, he had, um, he was a kind of an engineer. And they had this organ. And the organ went down one Saturday. And he just had um, some kind of surgery for carpal tunnel syndrome on one hand. And they had the um, engineer over from the States to try and fix it, but they had a wedding and some kind of practice um, the Saturday, so they couldn't work on it during the day. And this fella, with one hand, was working to make sure that that organ would be in place for Sunday. And something like 4 o'clock in the morning, they got it working. You know? Many of us say, uh, I, can't, I can't come to church during the day for an hour. But this fellow wanted to make sure that the organ was there. He was instrumental in getting the organ in this church. And he used his, his gift and his abilities, I mean, to pray. And the stories were just going on and on and on. And at the end, and it was not a downbeat service. It was a really upbeat service. I mean, and every hymn was a praise hymn. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Okay, I promise you I wouldn't sing, right? <laughs> sing that, you know. I mean, I feel like singing just, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. You know, it, it was an amazing end. It was an absolutely amazing end to what seemed to be an amazing life for the Lord. You know? And that's how the Lord's prayer ends. And we should never give up an opportunity to just praise the Lord for who He is while we are alive, which is what this man did. And at the end, they wanted to remember his life by a huge send-off praising the Lord. You know? And just take this with you as you go and as you pray, as you continually pray. Be praising the Lord and seeking His wisdom, His guidance, and His assistance in living a godly life. Because this is what the Lord's Prayer is all about. For us to live a godly life. And we can't do it without God. Let's close in a word of prayer. <laughs> oh, Father, we just thank you for your word, which is endless. It is always um, relevant. Uh, we thank you for this sample of prayer, which affects all areas of our life. Just pray that as we, as we go, we will be praying continually, seeking your face. May our lives always honor you, bring glory to your name. And we, may we always be in an attitude of praise no matter where we are, whatever we're doing. Now, Father, as we prepare to leave this place, we pray that we would leave with your blessing. We pray that you would grant us safety and you would bring us back safely that we enjoy sweet fellowship with you and with one another. Through Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.